All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Freeman, joined by my co-host, Alan Sterk. Today's episode, we are back to talk about who stays and who goes with the Falcons free agents this offseason. You are locked on Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Alan, let's uh, get started. We're going to be talking a little bit about, uh, you know, Going through our list of uh, unrestricted free agents, I, I believe the number is 17 of them, and uh, deciding 18. on... 18? Yes. Okay. I'll have to check that number. Um, yeah, and we'll be, go- <laughs> we'll be going through and, and figuring out, do they stay or do they uh, are they coming back to Atlanta or are they out the, out the door? And these are our opinions. We're not going to try to guess what the team does. 18. Okay. I still only have 17, so that, that that 18th player is going to be a surprise for me. Okay, so we're going to start off with the great one himself, Jonathan Babineau. Yes, um, Jonathan Babineau, I wish he would stay, but I think he's gone. I, You know, the, he gave the Instagram thing uh, last week. Everybody interpreted it as him saying farewell and goodbye. I don't. I didn't necessarily interpret it as as that. I interpreted it as him acknowledging the possibility that it's farewell and goodbye. But um, wanting to thank the fans and maybe not. Um, I'll, I'll wait a little bit till we have something a little bit more concrete before I, I I lean one way or the other. But I I don't expect him to come back. Yeah, the Falcons been operating in a TMZ esque format lately between posting Von Miller rumors and now this. I I don't understand it one bit. Uh, look, take into take what it's worth with Babno, given his Instagram post. Who knows? I think people are reading way too much into it. Let's see how the process rolls out. But I, I think a one-year deal wouldn't be the worst option. I think this defense needs some veterans, and I'm not sure who's going to be left after this offseason. So as long as he doesn't command like a big price, I don't think this is like a big Roddy White situation. I know this regime won't hesitate to release players they feel that are on a major decline, which Babino is, but at the same time, I think he can still be a useful backup. He showed it against the Saints and the Seahawks later in the season. You just have to manage his snaps. So I'm going to let them say they resign him one year deal. Yeah, I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I think if it happens, it's going to happen after the draft, and it means the Falcons weren't able to to sign in free agency and or the draft, get the D tackle uh depth that they wanted and uh, they might look around you know in mid-may similar to what they did with chris chester last year when they came away with their only uh, addition at right guard being a six-round pick in west schweitzer um you know i doubt that happens that's why i'm I'm more thinking he's going to be a goner but um it's it's certainly possible i think i think they're playing with fire if they do that i could see a team pick up having I, I would be, you know, I would be very surprised uh, a team other than Tampa Bay picking up a 35-year-old Jonathan Babineau at this point. Stranger things have happened. Fair enough. You know, w- Willie Moe didn't get signed last year, so I would be shocked if Babineau gets a deal. Well, he's an injury-prone safety that may have commanded the press. I think Babineau realizes that he's not going to get paid much. Who knows with some of these guys? Like, look at what happened to Roddy White. Yeah, I just, I just the team that I can picture signing him to a one year veteran minimum deal is like a is not the sort of team is a, a contender 
uh, is not really like a team like New England. I, I don't necessarily see making that move, but I, I could be wrong. Could be Seattle after that beating he gave him. Fair enough. Next player is Matt Schaub. I'm fifty fifty on this one, but I'm gonna I'm gonna lean towards he's uh, he's gone. I, I feel like he, he'll get another opportunity. I think with the uh, Sarkeesian coming in, I think the Falcons are gonna uh, ha- have a bunch of new faces behind Matt Ryan at quarterback this year. Yeah, I think San Fran. I'm not sure they're gonna go after Brian Hoyer because Brian Hoyer could command a decent price still. I think the Hoyer could look for a potential starting opportunity. Which, hey, maybe you could start in San Fran, but I don't think. They're going to want to pay that much. I know they have like 90 million cap space, but for some reason I see Shop going there and I don't see Atlanta trying to get in the bidding war. So I think Shop's gone unless he really wants to stay in Atlanta. It's going to be up to him, but they were with him and Shannon and they have a nice rapport. So Look, I, I've always backmatched Shop, but uh, like I said, no point getting to like some kind of bidding war or pay him like four or five billion and be a backup. Just there's no point. Fair enough. I I don't expect him to wind up in San Francisco. I, I understand that dot connection, but the more I think about it, the less likely I think San Francisco will go after somebody else, but we'll see. Next player is Paul Warlaw. It's a very random order that you got going here, Adam Allen. Um I think he's he's coming back. You know, the team loves him. He's got grit, he's got toughness, he's got leadership, all those sorts of things. So he'll be back. Couldn't disagree more. And Aaron, I said, what's your opinion? Like, what do you think? Like, would you want him back? Yeah, sure. Fine. You would want him back. Okay, well, I couldn't disagree more. He's a massive liability coverage. Can't stop the run. I think a team or an organization, I should say, is going to pay him like a starter because he started for two and a half seasons. He has that quote-unquote experience. Uh, who's it going to be? But I could see some team flying for the bait. And, and look, maybe Warlow doesn't want to come back. I'm assuming look, he's going to be, what, like 26 years old? Maybe he wants to try to get more snaps elsewhere. So it's me. I think Warlow, some team's going to, I guess, by his standards, grossly outplay him. And I think he's a goner. No, I, 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 I would be very shocked if that happens. This isn't 2009. Teams are smarter than that. They. Any no team is going to look at his tackle numbers. But, oh, this guy can play, and then actually watch the film and be like, "Oh no!" Like, no, it's not going to happen. So he's he's going to be back in Atlanta. He could look for. Well, what about his ambition? He could try to look for another opportunity. Who's gonna? Who's any any team? There are that, a lot of dumb coaching staffs out there. I don't think they're that dumb. <laughs> I don't think they're okay. That dumb. Well, you don't really know football then. Okay. There's a lot of dumb coaching staffs, but they're not dumb enough to give Paul Warlow a starting job. He's a special team. No, but they could give him somewhere to compete as, like, like if a team's desperate for linebacker help, I'm not talking about giving him an immediate starting job, but somewhere where the linebacker situation's very murky. Okay, I think all those teams that you're imagining are going to be using a top two pick on a, a linebacker, so... I'm like, not picturing San Fran. They got Navarro Bowman and Gerald Hodges. Why would they go after Paul Warlow? I know. I said I'm not expecting San Fran, but I can just picture any random franchise. Okay. I, I don't see that at all, but I could be wrong, I guess. And he said in a previous interview that he's going to try to pursue potential bigger roles, so who knows. Uh, next player is Chris Chester. Uh, I think he's going to 
be out the door. Uh, I would, you know, I would love to see him come back on a, on a sort of a one year deal. You know, his salary has creeped down each of the last two years. I think he started out as like 2.8 and now the last year he was 2.3. Uh, so if, if he's on that same track, a one year, $1.8 million deal, I, I would be for that, but I, I would be surprised if the Falcons pursue it. I just think they need to weigh, uh, not weigh their options, but just try to see what they have in Schweitzer, another potential draft pick or free agent. I've always backed Chester, kind of like Matt Shaw, but Chester's played a lot more steps, and he's been kind of on the brunt of some criticism. And well-deserved, look, he struggles against power rushers to get a lot of seven sacks, but he's still an asset as a run blocker. So I think he's serviceable elsewhere, but I just think they need to try to upgrade there. Yeah, no, I, I think with, with Chester, I think, you know, the plan for the Falcons should be, as I mentioned on a previous episode last week, should be to get somebody young in the draft. But if the draft doesn't fall that way and Chester's still out there in May, like he has been the last two off seasons, um, then I think you, you, you dangle that carrot and see what you can get him back if you can get him at, you know, re- reasonably cheap and then um, allow that opportunity for someone like Schweitzer or Garland to beat him outright. You know, basically you pay him enough you pay him a low enough amount of money that if he winds up losing the starting job, you can either cut him or bench him without a second thought. I'm not sure if Garland's going to be in the guard plans. I think they have him as the backup center. Well, he ain't playing at center unless someone, a certain person gets hurt. So I, I imagine. Yeah. Well, if Matt goes down, what happens? Well, we'll find out what Trevor Roberts slide him from start. You start right guard. You slide him into center. It's possible. As a starter, you're just going to do that in the middle of a game. I don't see that happening. Well, I mean, if he winds up outplaying Schweitzer at right guard, then that creates an opportunity for someone like Trevor Robinson or some undrafted free agent to sort of sneak in and, and, and pull a James Stone and, and win that backup center. So, like, I don't necessarily know if he'll be the top backup um, if he winds up winning the right guard spot, but we'll have to see. But So, Chester... Maybe he still plays. Don't rule out the retirement factor with him. You mentioned it last offseason, so take that for what's worth. Jacob Tammy, next up player. Um, I think he'll stay. I think he'll get a contract after the draft. Uh, I think he's a goner. I could see some team pick him up on like a one-year veteran. Not veterans minimum, but maybe like a $1 to $2 million deal. I just think they have other – it's kind of like right guard where you want to – evaluate the younger players and see if they could upgrade. So you have Hooper, who's going to be more featureable. Perkins is clearly valued. So to me, I think they need to either add a true blocking tight end, even though I do think Hooper is a very good blocker, or they just have to add a speed option. To me, Tammy fills neither. Tammy's not a very good blocker either. He doesn't really win in traffic. So to me, there's just not much upside. He's a reliable veteran, don't get me wrong, but I don't know. He could. He's not a player I can see possibly going to San Fran. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think <clears throat> I think Tammy's going to want to stay in Atlanta or go to San Fran. I, I don't necessarily see San Fran offering him, given the, the young Titans they already have there. So, um, yeah, I, I don't really see an, another opportunity really opening up for him, but uh, I could be wrong. Next player is Sean Weatherspoon. Uh, I think he's gone, and I, I would be, you know – I think he probably winds up signing a one-year deal with somebody, but uh, I, 
I, I don't think the market is going to be there for him until probably after the draft. He's only played 25 games since 2012. That's so cruel. Wow. That's uh, it's pretty ridiculous. Torrey was Achilles in 2014 and 2016. For some reason, I think they're going to resign him to a one-year veteran's minimum and just see if he can just be a mentor at this point. I think they're going to take one more chance with him. He seems like a player that he's mentioned he wants to stay in Atlanta, and I think he'll take any offer at this point. So, Well, he has to, given his situation. But I don't know. I just had a feeling they really like him, especially Dimitrov, even though they didn't resign him a few years ago. But I got that suspicion. But it, it's going to take like two or three weeks before I think they make it. Or even later. It's not going to be like last year where they got him like the third day when he had some kind of value. Fair enough. That's one of the trickier ones. Like I could easily say them just saying, all right, we can't trust you anymore. You've just simply unreliable. Because they can't go into next season thinking Weatherspoon is the top line, backup at linebacker. That would be a huge mistake. That's why Paul Worlow is coming back, my friend. No, that's not happening. Not at all. Okay. Next player, Corny Upshaw. Um, I think he, he he's going to be gone because I think unlike everybody else, it's he'll actually have a decent market for him because of the versatility he showed last year playing as a DN, playing as a D-tackle. I do think there are going to be some teams that are going to offer him a little bit more money than the Falcons are willing to offer him. I think Alain's going to pay. Remember, Quinn really is the decider with the – these personnel decisions, and I think he really values Upshaw. So even though they could get into a bidding war, I could see them sign him to like a two or three year deal. I don't think Upshaw's price is that significant. Like yeah, he's versatile and he had a good postseason, but is it really going to be signed drastic? No, but I, I do feel like he'll get you know that opportunity to get some more reps, um, as you say, Warlow will get. Um, I, I think there's a much greater chance that some team views him as a low-level starter as opposed to, like, the seventh or eighth guy in the rotation, which is probably what Upshaw will be this year. Would you like to see him back? Sure. I, you know, I, I think, you know, I feel like the type of player he is is, is expendable. I feel like you can get that guy, um, you know, in free agency almost any any season. But because Upshaw is, is a much more of a known commodity than, you know, someone like a – I can't even think of an example. Um, then I, I think you, you, you go with Upshaw, but, you know, I don't feel like it's a huge loss if we lose him. Eric Weems. Uh, I think, you know, the Weems uh, train has, has come to an end. I, I expect Justin Hardy to fill his role next year as that special teams maven at the wide receiver position. Um, and I feel like the team is prepared to move on in terms of getting younger and more explosive at the return position and hoping that somebody, one of these other young receivers or, or maybe even a cornerback can sort of fill that role. So I think Weems um, may get another shot elsewhere just because of how good he is on special teams. But um, I think this is probably the time the Falcons can sort of afford to move on. Yeah, I should see what they have in Devin Fuller. I want to see what he could offer as a returner, but just between his bizarre decisions to let the punt go to like the one yard line, uh, some of his decision making, especially for a veteran like Williams, was 
pretty perplexing. So to me, yeah, there's not much value. I know he's very good at kickoff coverage, but to me, I think his time has come. This player is Dwight Franey. Um, I think he's gone just because I think um, the time frame where he wants to come back to Atlanta is going to be after the draft. And I, f- I expect and sort of hope that the Falcons will have solved much of their edge rushing needs at that point in the offseason to the point where um, a guy like Freeney won't be necessarily a guy that they'll um, seek to bring back similar to what Arizona did last year at that position. And basically not because they didn't like Freeney, but they wanted to see what guys like Chandler Jones and Marcus Golden and whatnot could really do. I think it's a terrible comparison because Arizona has premier pass rushers while Elena doesn't really have any premier pass rushers today. So yeah, I don't see it. So I do think he's going to come back. I think they really value him. There's not much of a market for him either. So to me, Freeney just that veteran presence and somebody like still play 15 to 20 snaps a game. I could see him still return on a one year deal. I also think he's not really going to want to go elsewhere. And, I just hear the words that Dan Quinn uses when describing him. I, I'm not going to say it's a definite, but I think it's if they get on the right terms, they're going to make it happen. I think if, if if basically we're at a point come May 25th and we're like, yeah, we, we need to bring back Dwight Freeney, the Falcons have had another horrible offseason. All right. That, once again, makes zero sense to me, but – Whatever. Okay, I mean, I think Next. they're going to use a number one pick on a defensive end. I think they're going to sign somebody in free agency. And at that point, where's Dwight Freeney fit in, in, a, in a, on a roster that has Vic Beasley, Brooks Reed, a number one pick, and some mid-level to high-level free agent, DN and Claiborne? The, the free agent market for DNs is looking very sketchy at this point. Okay. Well, even, even with the number one pick, I still think that Knicks is the possibility of uh, Freeney coming back, especially with, with Reed and Claiborne also coming back. And your Reed's boy not definite. Reed's definite not coming back. Okay. All right. And Upshaw's not definite coming back, even though I do think he'll come back. And he has played DD tackles, so to me, okay. who knows? I think and Upshaw's... Claiborne could play in the base. I think all those guys are more likely to come back than free. All right. Can't wait till he resigns. Okay. So I'm Wheeler. not going to complain about it. Um, Wheeler, uh, I think he's gone, even though I could imagine the Falcons giving him a one-year deal just because they're like, eh, strong side linebacker. We need a body there. Um, we're not, you know, just because I think they should move Vic Beasley to strong side linebacker this year, that probably means that they won't do it. And so, uh, they'll probably resign Philip Wheeler and I'll just roll my eyes that day, that whatever day in March or April that is. I just don't see any point behind it. And I know he only plays, what, 30, 35% of snaps, but he doesn't bring much to table either. Slide Brooks read back into that role or try Beasley there for a bit. But, or even draft like a sixth rounder. They could use more youth at linebacker. Why not? So uh, Wheeler, like, the only thing you could say is that he's a decent blitzer, but they didn't really even use him on blitzes. So to me, I don't see any point. If they want to use him as a backup, that's understandable, but... I don't get the point. So I think he's a goner. Fair enough. I agree with you. I just, um, you know, classic Falcons, as I always say. Yeah, he could be one of those random April moves, but you would hope not. Uh, Deshaun Goldson. Uh, I would be shocked if he comes back. I I feel like the Falcons um, 
will, you know, there's a good chance that the, at some point this year we do sign a, a veteran strong safety to add some depth, you know. But uh, I don't feel like that's going to be Goldson. Last year it was Godfrey. This past year it would be Goldson. Um, it'll be some new old guy that's over the hill next year. So I, I don't think he'll be back. Goldson might pull up Godfrey and retire. Who knows? But you saw they value Neesman at the later stage of the season. So to me, yeah, this is really no point, especially when Goldson was inactive most weeks. Agree. Tom Compton. I think he'll be back. Um, I was, I was looking at San Francisco. I'm like, oh, they could use a swing tackle like Compton. He, uh, someone that knows the scheme, but, um, whoever the guy they hired to be their offensive line coach used to be the coach in Houston. I think there was enough bodies out there for them to potentially get somebody else. And I, so I think the Falcons are going to look at that swing tackle, want to have some depth there. Um, particularly given the injury issues that Matthews faced this year and Schrader getting up in age. And I think getting a guy like Compton back on a, a one or two year deal is a smart move. And I th- it makes sense to me. So I think he'll be back. Did you say Ryan Schrader gang up in age? Yeah, and he like 29. Ryan Shader is 28. We'll turn 29 in May, but he's a right tackle. Yeah, but, you know, Tyson Claybo lost it at 31. He's a right tackle. Okay, you, you say that like guys don't, the offensive linemen don't start declining at age 30. Okay, but Schrader, he hasn't been in the league for what, like four years? I feel like Claybo had a lot more football experience compared to Schrader. He had a lot more wear and tear. And how does any of that have to do with, um, you know, Michael Bennett falls on your ankle the wrong way? All right, but you can't expect that. I don't, but I'm just like, people act like, oh, yeah, Schrader's going to play like another five years. Like, that's a foregone conclusion. We don't know anything. Like, so to, to assume that to assume that he's going to play for another five years is no different than assuming that he could play another five games. Would you say same about Robert Alford? I think Robert Alford's going to lose a step after two years. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, he's an athlete, and athletes tend to decline a lot faster at cornerback than the technicians. Okay. I do think they should resign Compton. I know he kind of struggled against Tom Bali, but he's still someone, like you said, swing tackle, knows the system, serviceable run blocker. He can move. So, I think he kind of fits that mold where they want these – Offensive linemen to be able to move, pick up screens, get in the second level. So to me, Compton's useful. I don't know. He could pursue a potential starting opportunity. I don't know if the market's there for him, but I do think at least the front office should attempt to re-sign him. Yeah, I mean, you could see him landing in a place like L.A. or something like that. Oh, God, L.A. Him against Greg Robinson. Who will start a left tackle? Hello. Patrick DeMarco. Um, he better stay. I, I will be, if Patrick DeMarco is not resigned, you know, free agency starts on March 9th. And if Fat Patrick DeMarco's contract is not inked by then, I will be very, very upset with the Falcons. Why well, was if he still stays? Why did it have to take so long? Like this is the easiest negotiation has ever happened. Pay that man. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. He, he obviously has to stay. He deserves a premium contract. What he's done for a run game the past two seasons has been very impressive. You say he's been playing at all pro levels, so I think I'm going to speak this is a pretty much a no-brainer. Yeah, I mean, unless he's asking for Adrian Peterson money, which he's not going to be, um, <laughs> like it doesn't, you know, if he wants to be the highest-paid fullback, okay, fine. 
three years, seven point five million, you know, four or five million of that guaranteed. Fine, I don't have a problem with that. Or if he if he's if you can lowball him and, and give him on like a two year, you know, four or five million dollar deal, then fine. That it's like whatever his first offer is, that counter offer should be like five percent less and, and done deal. Like it's boom, it's the easiest negotiation ever. Well said, Leroy Reynolds. Uh, I think he's going to stay. I think the Falcons value special teams play. Um, given the lack of uh, depth at that linebacker position, I think the Falcons are going to um, look at a guy like Reynolds and say, hey, yeah, you know, we at some point this season they, they liked Reynolds quite a bit, you know, when they were subbing him in with Deion Jones. Um, so I think they like him probably more than most of us do. Um, and, you know, as a, as a backup I'm fine with Leroy Reynolds. He's got experience. So, um, you know, it'd probably be a better option coming off the bench in the, in the event of an injury to Deion Jones than some fifth round pick. I think it's a gun. I think they're going to add someone either veteran or they'll draft someone like the seventh round. I just think Reynolds is a liability and doesn't really much awareness. Can't go off blocks. Yeah. He might be a decent backup, good athlete, but I think they could upgrade there. I know that's not saying much backup linebacker, but they were splitting snaps with Deion Jones of what, like late October? That's because Jones was called for injury. Once Jones was starting to get healthier and establish himself, Reynolds barely saw the field. Uh, I mean, you know, we don't know everything, but there was a couple of weeks there where Reynolds was getting serious reps where Jones was reportedly, you know, close to 100%. So. There was something going on there. I, you know, I'm not. I don't want to sit here and speculate like there's any, you know, nefarious deeds going on behind the scenes. But I think the coaching staff trusted Leroy Reynolds probably a lot more than the fan base did. So, um, you know, to each their own. It's fine. That's why you play all those snaps in the playoffs. You know, Deion Jones by then was, uh, you know, firing on all cylinders. But there was a couple of weeks in the middle of the season where that that was not the case. Audrick Robinson. Uh, I think he's gone. I think he'll be wind up in San Francisco. Yeah, I think he's gone. They should attempt to keep him, but I think they're going to get like kind of like Matt Schaub in a bidding war, and I can see Aldrich taking the better offer, and maybe he feels he shouldn't be a fifth wide receiver. Maybe he could be a third or a fourth in a place like San Francisco. So good for him. I think he's a playmaker, not every week, but he could make six to eight big plays a season, and hey, that could be a a game changer, especially when you look at a couple games against San Fran and Carolina this year. So he's he's definitely someone that deserves a little more credit, but I could see Elan just saying, all right, we could find someone either within the practice squad or we just draft someone again, or maybe Devin Fuller, who knows. Yeah, you know, I think um, getting another deep threat like Aldrich is easier said than done, so I don't really expect the Falcons to successfully replace him. Um, I think they will certainly make the attempt in undrafted free agency. I don't think anybody on this roster other than maybe Gabriel can really fill those shoes. But um, I, I think Robinson will have some opportunities. I, I do think, as you can make a case with multiple receivers in this roster, um, they were sort of limited from reaching their full potential in this offense just because of the abundance of talent and options for Matt Ryan to spread the ball around. And I do think another team will look at Robinson and, and probably San Francisco most likely. But a, another team could certainly be like, we need a guy that can take the top off of a defense and he'll get a more lucrative offer from them to be you know, their third or fourth receiver than he, 
what he would be in Atlanta where he's not guaranteed to be any higher than the fourth or fifth spot. BD Ray Wilson. Uh, he's actually a restricted free agent. That's, I figured this was going to happen, but um, I, I don't expect. Is he really? Yeah. Uh, he didn't get credit for this past season um, for an unrestricted free agent. The website I use had him as unrestricted. Well, a lot of websites are wrong. So, um, but it, well, I, I don't think even if um, if let's say I'll, I'll give you two answers. Uh, if he's unrestricted, I don't think he'll be back. If he's restricted, I don't think he'll get a tender. And so I don't think he'll, he'll be unrestricted in the end. And so, um, he won't be back. So either way, the same outcome. Yeah. Spotrack has him as a UFA. Spotrack is often wrong. All right. Well, do they have Nick Williams as as an RFA or an EFA? Uh, because Nick Williams is not a free agent. They have Nick Williams as a ERFA. Yeah, he's not a free agent. He's under contract, so they get stuff wrong. It's fine. It happens. Uh, yeah, he's not going to make the team. <laughs> Suppose that. They got good one at Tolier. Doesn't really matter. And obviously with True Font coming back, the, the writing's on the wall. Levine Toyololo. Uh, I think he's going to be back. Um, I think he'll, there'll be um, the offer there. That, I think the Falcons' primary goal this offseason is going to be getting a blocker. I think they'll look at Toy Lolo and be like, we we know Toy Lolo can get the job done. We'll give him a contract, and I think they'll give him a competitive contract that will keep him from sort of sniffing around. As I mentioned earlier with San Francisco, I don't feel like San Francisco – is going to be the slam dunk destination that a lot of people are, are made, making those dot connections. I think they can roll the dice with uh, McDonald, Selec, or, or Blake Bell um, to fill that Toy Lola role. So you think four tens are going to be on the roster? I think going into camp, yeah, I think that's a, a real possibility. Okay. I, I think Toy Lola will not be back. They view him as probably expendable. I don't think his blocking is that good. And doesn't have much as a receiver either. I think they're going to go full youth at tight end. They're going to have Hooper, Perkins, and possibly either draft another tight end. Or they might think Tio Lea could block a bit. So who knows? But to me, I don't really see the point. I know they value him, but eventually they, I think they'd look at Hooper. They were impressed with his blocking and. They could say, all right, Tovo isn't even the best blocker on our team, so why we bring him back? Okay. Well, I think Sarkeesian, like Shanahan, one of the similarities in, in what his scheme is is, is going to be um, ample usage of, of multiple tight end sets. They love doing that at USC uh, back in the days of Jordan Cameron and Anthony McCoy. So uh, I think Tovo will have an opportunity to come back. Last player, Kamal Ishmael. Uh, I think he's going to be back. I, I think, as I mentioned on one of last week's shows, I think it was uh, because he finished the year on IR, those guys tend to not have the market that they always want to have. I think because of that, Ishmael won't get the starting opportunity that he might have been able to uh, drum up had he finished the year healthy. Um, and I also don't think there's a lot of, you know, the more I think about it, there aren't that many teams that are like love the sort of hybrid safety linebacker player. Like they love those guys in the draft, the Sue Cravens and the, um, 
Jabril Peppers is of the world, but they don't tend to shell out big bucks for those guys in free agents unless they're Mark Barron. And um, I, I think Ishmael will get a, a, a nice offer, nice two or three year deal from Atlanta and uh, stick around for another couple of years. I do wonder if some team possibly gambles on him and pays him like a starter. It's highly unlikely, but I don't think we should rule it out. I do think he stays in Atlanta. I'm not sure if they're going to give him a two or three year deal. I could see him actually giving another one year deal. Who knows? Depends how much money they could spend. But yeah, I've been a huge advocate for him. I think he's surprised a lot of people, given his versatility, the way he filled in that weak side linebacker for Campbell and also filling in strong safety for Keanu Neal. Look at the upsets against Oakland, Denver. He plays a significant role in both those games, just his open field tackling and his awareness. So, to me, Ishmael is a huge piece. I think he should be the top backup at linebacker, whether that's probably a weak side. I don't see him play middle. He's probably too small for that. But between that and also his ability to play safety, that could help. I know Neesman looked decent there, but Ishmael, as we saw, Earlier in the season, he's still someone that could get the job done as long as he's in, inside the box, of course. Still kind of a liability and man coverage. But yeah, Ishmael, I think besides DeMarco, should be valued as the most important free agent. Fair enough. I, I would agree with that. Um, I don't have anything else to add to that. Uh, I feel like I could nitpick and be like, uh, you know, Ishmael isn't that good, but uh, I've spent so long in this podcast bad-mouthing Kamal Ishmael that I don't want to do that anymore. He's a very quality backup, and he could be used in multiple areas, and Dan Quinn loves versatility, as we all know. Yes, yes. Uh, the way you just worded it that way, I can go with that. The way you worded it earlier, I was like, mm, uh, I don't know, but just is me nitpicking, as I always do. Yeah. Any Benoit game a shout-out Last week, I noticed. Oh, did he? I didn't. I didn't read all those tweets. Yeah, he said something about him playing as a dime linebacker. I wasn't sure about that, but I mean, that's anyway, basically what he did in Atlanta this past year. Yeah, in a way, I'm just talking about when he filled in because once the linebackers got healthy, his you saw his snaps cut down significantly. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, that's a testament to the athleticism of our starting linebackers more so than. A shot at Kamal Ishmael. I think after the Eagles game, he really play again. Yeah, well, yeah. And not the most glamorous list of free agents, but hey, they got the job done with Alfred and Schrader during the season, so it made everyone's lives easier. But still a couple of key players that you would like to see come back. And I think this list, you mostly see a lot of veterans, which isn't surprising. But then you also have a lot of key rotational pieces. Well, you know, I think this is going to be an interesting offseason because I, I think right now DeMarco is the only player on this list that's not expendable. Um, I think you can make a, a strong case that the other 16, 17, if you want to include Bleedy Ray, um, are pretty expendable. Like, you know, some of them you would want back, but not they're not guys that are like, oh, man, if we, if we lose this guy, it's going to ruin our season or, you know, we're going to have a massive hole that we can't fill with some, you know, fourth-round pick or, or some mid-level free agent because most of these guys were sort of afterthoughts in free agency last year or the year before. Um, but it will be interesting to see the Falcons' approach to this just because um, generally team, you know, at least – 
my read on the Falcons is, oh, we're coming off a Super Bowl year, so let's try to keep uh, this team intact as much as we can. So I do think some of these guys, there there may be a chance that some of these guys that we sort of wrote off and say, oh, they're not coming back, that the Falcons actually make a, a substantial, not, you know, I shouldn't say substantial, but make an effort to re-sign to one or two-year deals. And, you know, of this 17 list, um, 17 player list, uh, we might see like eight or nine of these guys come back as opposed to like the four or five um, that I think, you know, we, we talked about being ideal. Dan Quinn loves those one year deals. That he does. And we're good find on Twitter. I am at Falk fans. Alan, where can people hit you up? Alan underscore Stirk. That's a double O E underscore S T R K. We'll be back later in the week getting some combine stuff off a guest or two on. We're still working things out, but we'll start getting to that quite a bit. And then next week, full nosedive into free agency. You'll get daily shows for one week as we cover this hectic time of the year. Yeah, it'll be, we might, there might be a chance we might be talking cuts this week as well, just because the, I'm looking at the timing of the situation. And like either the team is going to make their cuts before they all go to Indianapolis or they'll do it the Monday after on that last day of Indianapolis. So um, we should learn about the fates of our beloved Tyson Jackson and, and Brooks Reed in the very near future. So whenever that happens, we'll talk about it, but uh, we'll find out. Other than that, uh, I would say get excited about free agency, but I think it's going to be a, pretty much a quiet period of time. So, and especially with all these players now getting franchise, like this could be arguably the dullest free agency in recent memory. Yes, if you don't need a quarterback, yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if, if you're if you're one of these teams, you know, that are going to be in the Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins uh, sweepstakes, then um, you know Jay Cutler, even Colin Cow, you know. Yeah, if you're one of those Ugh. quarterback needy teams, then it, it'll be a very interesting free agency. But for pretty much everybody else, probably not. Yeah, there's people dedicating podcasts to it that I reluctantly listen to. I'm already getting sick of all the Garoppolo talk. There you go. So we'll be back later in the week, Falcons only, because that's what we do. <laughs> and hopefully, there's um, more buzz. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figure it out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.